So good for him. I'm real happy for his broken leg for him. Glad he's milking it. Hope he gets better sometime. from the Mundangerous Starfield in New York City. I'm your host, Shane. And I'm your host, Ishan. And welcome to episode 331 of Total Party Thrill, a podcast for game masters and players where we discuss our campaigns in order to inspire yours. This is Actual Play, Season 3, Episode 12. In this episode, we're continuing our playthrough of the 5th edition D&D adventure, The Magister's Masquerade. From the sourcebook, Strixhaven, A Curriculum of Chaos. Tez Proudgale has finally discovered the identity of the Chosen One, who is in fact chosen, as in genetically predisposed to be possessed by quarry spirits, because Grayson Windermere uh, is apparently from Riedra. Yes. <laughs> so, quick recap, our prophecy that we've been working off of is the Chosen One is flanked by death. They must survive the shadow at night, else all dreams come true. So the uh, the chosen one we believe we have identified is Grayson Windermere, uh, flanked by death, appears to be uh, his two companions, the uh, the Warforged and the Gnome. Uh, and we are looking to, uh, else all dreams come true. Sure sounds like something to do with Corey. That's never good. And uh, they must survive the shadow at night is the next thing we have to figure out in this prophecy. Uh, Tez is also out for some treasure. Hey. Always out for some treasure. (laughs) (laughs) All right. So when last we left, uh, Tez and friends were in perhaps one of their favorite places on campus, the library, uh, joined by uh, the gnomish librarian who has been quite uh, an assistance to them thus far. And you are in the middle of a whirlwind of paperwork that you stole from Dean Tullis's office. Uh, we borrowed from Dean Tullis's office. Oh, um, yes. You'll uh, definitely give these back to her when you confront her about the weird, creepy orb that seems to be controlling her thoughts. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so... For the most part, it is Meepo and Tez who are doing the investigative work of uh, looking through all of these papers uh, and have discovered the information you found thus far. Um, One final piece of paper catches your eye in the entire pile, and it is a familiar piece of paper. It is, in fact, on a vellum card... An invitation, exactly like all three of you have, to the Magister's Masquerade. Except that in thick, heavy ink, almost like dug into the parchment, circled is the name of the theme, A Starlit Night. In fact, it is starlit that is circled, night that is circled, and then the actual date, which is at this point about three weeks hence. And you can see the envelope it was in. It's addressed to Dean Tullis. Uh, are the circles in the same handwriting as the manic notes that we found <laughs> in, in Tullis's notes? There's circles in the handwriting. Um, you, it is the same writing implement. Okay. <laughs> as, as an accomplished uh, rogue archaeologist and therefore <clears throat> forger of documents, uh, <laughs> For academic and possibly customs purposes, uh, Tez would recognize that, obviously. You can tell. Same nib. Any of the three of you give me arcana, religion, or nature. I don't like that we're five minutes into this recording and you're already making me play D&D. But I suppose I will, <laughs> I will fooled allow you. it. Just as soon as D&D Beyond loads my dice. <laughs> <laughs> and let's be honest, this is going to be an Arcana check, right? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh-huh, yeah. Is it all of them? Make one check or what are we, what are we doing here? <laughs> any one of you can make any of these checks. Uh, okay. Well, 
Um, but like, you know, make, make just pay, what I mean is pick from this assortment of checks. I don't care which one, but make one. Mm-hmm. Yep. That's going to be, uh, it's going to be Tez. Um, all three of us have made all three checks just to see if we get 20s. Uh, it'll be Tez. That's fine. Mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. The roll is a, a, a 20 unnatural. <laughs> 11 plus 2 plus 7 for Arcana. 20 is good. Okay, so the fact that it isn't the entire theme circled, right? That Starlet and Knight are circled separately sort of piques Tez's interest, right? You you are, in fact, looking for the shadow at night. And here, night is circled. So Tez turns to the Gnomish Librarian, um, sort of pointing at the the invitation and like asks her about the significance of Starlet. And she the two of you sort of put your heads together. And when she sees the theme and then the date, her eyes light up a little bit. She says, Oh, right, right. I remember there was there was conversation about this. The date was specifically picked to reflect the theme. And she looks at you for a second, sort of expectantly, and you know, when Tez doesn't like vol- volunteer or anything. Oh, I know. No, Tez knows. <laughs> oh yeah, no. There's definitely like conjunction amongst the uh <laughs> amongst the planes for this night, right? <laughs> That's 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 exactly it, right? So she nods and says, "Yes, yes, it's a you know, it's an auspicious occasion where there there will be a stellar alignment." Yeah, of course. Yeah, metagaming this, it's an Isha game. Of course, there's uh, stellar alignment (laughs) in a prophecy in Eberron. (laughs) (laughs) You have to wake up pretty early to get that one past me, sir. (laughs) (laughs) And now Taz, of course, recalls. That near the beginning of the semester when Dean Tillis seemed much more normal, but not fully normal. I mean, you don't really know her, what her normal is. She had mentioned that uh, she was instrumental in selecting the theme. Uh-huh. <laughs> okay, okay. Uh, and if Tez brings this up, then the librarian adds, well, this particular alignment is associated with if you believe this sort of thing, a meeting of the minds, you know, people coming together in in communion, people uh, seeing eye to eye, mm-hmm. which, of course, is the entire purpose of the, the masquerade, right? Bringing five disparate schools together. And you had a 20 arcana? I did. It, of course, occurs to Tez that a meeting of the minds, uh, if one were perhaps not so uh, pleasantly inclined might also include possession. Say of a chosen. Yes. So if this stellar alignment is supposed to facilitate a communion of minds, then perhaps whatever is supposed to be happening to Grace and Windermere is most likely to happen on this very night. So Tez, of course, being accomplished in dealing with these types of... um, ephemera puzzles prophecies these types of things right um that's what rogue archaeology is basically mm-hmm. founded upon uh and punching nazis uh well right but you know there haven't been nazis in eberron in uh millennia so it's mostly just <laughs> the puzzles and prophecies now <laughs> yeah, i mean they got rid of them once and they were like never again <laughs> yeah and they stuck to it mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. does tez feel like the that he has unlocked all the information in the prophecy now or is the shadow like does he feel like that sufficiently answers the shadow part of the night or um does the shadow allude to perhaps what the what form the threat is taking the latter so tez believes he knows when whatever is going to go down is going to go down he doesn't know he feels like he doesn't know what the shadow is right why must grace and windermere survive the shadow on that night what what does that mean right like if he's going to be possessed then why why is this a threat to his life it's plainly obvious to tez that uh this prophecy is you know uh, rival factions within the quarry are going to stop uh this chosen from being uh possessed and uh and therefore used and it's obviously important to the prophecy that he become the worthless vessel that he will be become probably because he'll be a terrible ruler 
um, and uh, and undermine the quarry. That could be it. So certainly a possibility. That is how uh, Tez will cope with the fact that he needs to play bodyguard for somebody he intensely <laughs> dislikes. <laughs> uh, and as you're talking out loud, Scalabro will point out that the shadow is not exactly um, a, a specific moniker. In fact, there's a member of the Dark Six called the Shadow, and if you're up against a god, probably you're going to lose. But you know, there's any number of um, demonic forces or mob bosses or whomever who call themselves the Shadow. Sure. So yeah, I mean, it could just be regular old skullduggery. Okay. Well, this is unpleasant. A thoroughly unpleasant development. Um, it does seem like something you deserve, though, says Calibro. I don't like this change of character for you. I, 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 I'm not happy that we came here. An education is good for all kinds of minds. <sighs> yes, uh, we don't have to see everything in literary terms, okay? The more you know. Okay. Uh, I think we have what we have here. We have three weeks to prepare for this. Uh, I suppose we should lay low for a little bit uh, so as not to, uh, you know, get kicked out of school before the masquerade even happens and uh, start making plans for how we're going to keep this idiot alive. Excellent. So you will lay low for a bit. We'll get to that in a second. Um in terms of the avenues that you want to pursue for preparation, let's talk about what's on the table. So obviously, there's Grayson himself. The thing you don't know is whether he knows what, what he is destined for. And you surmised, and you have a feeling you're probably right, that Rosie Miffenbip and Melwithorn, or whatever their actual names are in real life, are his handlers in some manner. Now, are they bodyguards, or are they actual handlers? You are unsure. Uh, and then there's a question of what might the shadow be, and how do you counteract it or defeat it three weeks from now? Dean Tullis is still missing, and there is the sickly green orb, and then also the uh, apparently intermittent illnesses suffered by various students. Those seem to be all the strange goings-on. But while you think about that, let's abstract some of the events leading up to the masquerade. Because like you were told, um, third years will be occasionally conscripted in order to prepare for the masquerade. Uh, so a few days later, the th three of you receive a missive in the common room explaining that um, you will need to uh, help move supplies from the biblioplex uh, over to uh, Corrin Hall, where the masquerade is going to be. Just give me a... Just roll a d6 for me. Two. A two. Uh, while you and several other students, altogether 10 of you, uh, are moving uh, heavy boxes of supplies, uh, someone drops a box on Quintilius's leg, uh, and his leg breaks. Huh. He shows up the next day with a, a cast on his leg and plays it up uh, for as much attention as he can. Um, it's not going to take nearly as long as it does in real life for his leg to mend, given magical healing, uh, but it won't be immediate. You have uh, one of his gloves. You're your glove buddies. Yeah. That's what that means. Yeah, I don't think he factors into uh, my life at all anymore. Now that now that I know I don't, um, I, he's not directly involved in this situation. Uh, I I I care not to let him have any impact whatsoever on 
any part of my uh, existence. Great. So good for him. I'm real happy for his broken leg for him. Glad he's milking it. Hope he gets better sometime. Sure. Or dies, whatever. Literally don't care. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. So in the lead up to the masquerade itself, what avenues do you want to pursue? Ideally, uh, what we would do is be able to kind of assess where um, Rosie and, and Melathorn are going to come down uh, in the case of, of protecting Grace and Windermere. Um, mm-hmm. You know, he might be hand, they might be handlers or bodyguards, but I mean, that does, just because they're <laughs> generally there to handle and bodyguard him doesn't mean they're there to do it forever. They might be there to protect him so that whatever can happen that night can happen. Um, but still, we want to get the lay of the land of them um, and better understand what's going on there. We also um, need to get practical information about the ins and outs of the um, masquerade so that, you know, we can... Uh, have plans upon plans upon plans, <clears throat> flashbacks, in order to know <laughs> what to do. Uh, and then, I mean, the illness thing is like nice to follow up on, but it seems like, mm, it seems like probably not a priority with three weeks to go. However, finding Dean Tullis and like confronting her probably still seems prudent if it's possible without going too far out of our way, right? Like if Mm. Dean Tullis is on campus, like we need to confront her on campus uh, if she returns at all. But it's going to be very tough to kind of figure that piece out too. So then it seems you're interested in finding Dean Tullis. You're also interested in in some manner confronting Rosie Miffenbib and Melwithorn, but you haven't decided on an approach. Yet. I think we're ingratiating ourselves with Grayson is probably the answer here. <laughs> well, you're gonna go the hard way, okay. I just like I don't know how we can do this without having some of his trust. Uh Unless we actively, I mean, I guess the alternative is we just torment him for three weeks and see, like, like literally test his defenses <laughs> for three weeks and make this poor college kid's life like a living hell. Which, if it were Quintilius, this wouldn't even be a question, I want to be clear. Like, Grayson is just a sneering, like, pissant. He's not Quintilius. He doesn't have a literally, literally punchable face. Mm. Mm. Um, so, yeah, so that's unfortunate. Uh, but, yeah, I think that's probably it. And given Mebo's like, freshly found charisma, I think I know the Cobalt for the job. Ooh. Going to send Mebo in. I like this. Uh, okay. So you know that Grayson writes the gossip column. Oh, my God. (sighs) Yeah, okay. We're going to become sources for Grayson's gossip. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, we have already established that Meepo makes friends easily. Mm -hmm. Mm Mm-hmm. And probably knows plenty. Yep. Yeah, I mean, Meepo definitely knows like, uh, like who hooked who hooked up with who last weekend. Like, mm-hmm. what couples yeah. are on the rocks? Like, OMG, did you hear that she cheated on him? Uh, you know, like, uh, I can't believe that they're hooking up now behind that person's back. You know, like all the usual stuff. Like, oh my god, it's his best friend. Like. He is. Uh, he was on top of that stuff anyway. Now he just gets to put it to use, right? Uh, so if you just um, 
talk to your friend, Mina Lee, right? The student ambassador who's here to help you and also works for the uh, Arcanic Star student newspaper um, about Grayson. You know, she'll readily tell you he doesn't have like a job on campus and his extracurriculars are the gossip column. Uh, he's also part of future entrepreneurs of Arcanics. Um, but mostly it's the it's the gossip column. And he's good at protecting his sources, but he's uh he's intense about uh following up, like to to check for himself. So he's not gonna he won't publish just anything that Meepo tells him. He'll like Go digging to find out if it's true. Right. But but still, like, Meepo is giving him quality leads, right? Is everything Meepo telling him all actually true stuff? Or is Meepo mixing in some, like, made-up stuff for plausible deniability? I don't think Meepo is savvy enough to, to mix in lies. <laughs> <laughs> I think Meepo is... All right. I think I think Meepo's instructions were get close to Grace and, I don't know, feed him some gossip. <laughs> and Meepo just, I don't know, fed him some gossip. <laughs> all right, well, let's let's do that scene. So, Meepo makes the approach. It's hard to find Grayson when he isn't with... Rosie and Melithorn. They travel together. They have classes together. Uh, they eat together. The two of them don't work for the newspaper. So that's a time when they're apart. Uh, and the three of them are all in different colleges. So they sleep separately. None of them are in our college, right? So the three of you are all staying in Silver Quill. But none of you are actually in Silver Quill. Right, right. Right. Silver Quill is just where the exchange students stay. Grayson is a Silver Quill. So he's in the same building as the three of you at night. Ah, okay. Uh, Rosie is Lorehold and Melithorn is Witherbloom. So actually, you have easy access to Lorehold if for whatever reason you wanted to talk to Rosie because you are a Lorehold. Uh, and Aurora is a Witherbloom, so she can get you into Witherbloom if you want. Yeah. Um, if you want to talk to the handlers, I mean, Meepo isn't completely, uh, useless here, right? Like he's, he is savvy. Uh, and so he knows that best approach, he's going to catch Grayson, uh, on a, a late night coming home. It, so he will wait up for him basically in the common room knowing that he has to come through there and will just set up a bit of a of a scene for him right and it's mostly just him venting uh crankily about aurora and skelebro mm -hmm. i think he isn't going to like say they're like dating or anything like that but also He's going to convey a lot of annoyance at how much time they're spending together and, you know, like, wonder, like, what's going... You're right, like, just kind of plant the seeds of, like, something curious is happening here between, um, you know, the cool girl and the weird exchange student, right? And just try to, like, plant the seed of, like, oh, this is something that you should be following up on, right? And then... With the goal of kind of pivoting that towards, and I know them both, I can get you in. I love it. Okay. Have Meepo make either deception or persuasion. Because, like, this isn't, this isn't, like, lies. Uh, right? Yeah, but he's kind of dramatizing what, uh, as far as I know, uh, Shane knows, is a platonic relationship <laughs> uh can will pack tactics apply to this <laughs> it, it will it will not just um, got it <laughs> but i mean the uh, the other two of you could be in the common room in some manner you don't need to be in the co you could be in this conversation but you don't have to be in the conversation like making some sort of assist. No, 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 no. Because I think for this to work... Uh, okay, wait. 
can the conspicuous absence of us be the assist, right? Oh, because we're always together, uh-huh. and this is like the time that Meepo is actually alone, uh, and and angry about this, like almost beggars belief. I think that would certainly pique his interest. So yeah, I I will grant advantage for Meepo going this alone. Uh, I rolled a ten and a four, so that's gonna be ten plus. Three thirteen. <laughs> <laughs> okay, is this persuasion or is it deception? I think it's I think it's deception because again, like I think it's it's dramatizing what is uh, a perfectly like fine and unobtrusive relationship for Meepo, right? So Meepo has mm-hmm. to work up righteous anger about this. So I think that's deception. Grayson walks into the common room, sort of like throws open the the door steps in and it almost seems like he poses for a second as he surveys the room and it's probably a good you know five six seconds before he actually like whirls around closes the door behind him is Meepo alone muttering to himself or is he like engaging Grayson in conversation to complain how's this happening he's complaining to himself but he has Grayson's medal in his hands. Uh, so he's like, he's, I don't know, like, like fidgeting with it, right? But just conspicuously enough to, like, draw his attention without it being part of the act. Mm-hmm. Are you and Skelebro observing from anywhere? Skelebro, no, but Tez, yes. Okay, because, and you're you're good enough at stealth is fine you're hidden um thank you (laughs) you can you can see like you're not good at insight but you're very good at reading like body movements in a fight right Mm -hmm. because you're a fencer and you can see his his hand almost like reflexively twitches when he spots the metal his hand like reflexively twitches toward his hip uh where you suspect he has a sword um, but then he hears Meepo muttering what something that sounds quite interesting, and his demeanor changes. It doesn't soften it. Like Meepo's back is to him right now. It 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 gets devious, uh, and then it softens. Uh, and he puts on a smile and he walks in front of Meepo, and then has has a seat. I see you like my medal. It was given to me by. A great vizier, friend of my father's. Very important. Do you want to do the Meepo voice, or do you want me to do the Meepo voice? <laughs> oh, we always run into this. Um, let's do what we did last time, just, just like paraphrase. Meepo... He's not Tez. Uh, Tez would be like, it's a very nice fidget spinner. <laughs> <laughs> uh... Right, what would kind-hearted good old Meepo do in this situation? Uh, I suppose Meepo would just pick it, uh, he would just kind of turn it over in his hands and, and look up, like, very, very, like, with, like, big, almost watery eyes. And, uh, and, and basically just say, Mm-hmm, very pretty. Did it what it lost after Tess took it from you? I wouldn't say he took it. From me, I let him cut it off my chest mm. as a magnanimous gesture. Mm-hmm. Tez took it anyway. That's Tez's way. The meat way. You can see his eyes like flicker down to it. Like he wants the metal, um, but he's not asking for it yet. In my experience, friends can be fickle when they want something from you they spend a lot of time with you but when something else interesting comes along they're nowhere to be found at that point Meepo just like lets out a wail of a moan and and launches into like complaining about how Skelebro spends all his time with uh with Aurora BFFs and and like there's no time for little old Meepo anymore and you know it's like 
it's so embarrassing to be with them now because they're so like you know like they're just like because it's Meepo right so he's gonna frame this as like not having the social like awareness of them being like like flirty new relationship um but describing those kinds of like you know they laugh at each other's jokes and it's like even when they're not funny and like they're always looking for excuses to touch each other and like all those kinds of things that are just like they're not outright saying they're dating obviously because they're Mm -hmm. not but Mm -hmm. like it's the kind of annoying thing where it's like you know it would drive a friend crazy if you had to witness this day in and day out so tez is an artificer um and he can see that grayson makes like a couple quick movements with his left hand um tapping like a device at his hip just settles in to listen more intently and then begins asking questions to try to coax out more information from Meepo. Um, and Tez can see that um, the device at his hip is uh, vibrating with magical frequencies. From here, he would guess it's, it is some sort of like recording or transcription device. He doesn't think that Grayson is an artificer. He thinks this is something that you could pay an artificer to make for you uh-huh. if you were, say, a reporter. But he he's definitely activated it, like, surreptitiously. It wasn't obvious. Yeah, no, that's fine. We'll be paying a visit to uh, to his room tonight. <laughs> <laughs> uh, if, if he has a permanent recording device on him, well, <laughs> let's see what he's picked up, shall we? <laughs> um, so, obviously, Meepo is... Uh, quite willing to uh, answer questions and continue to spill his guts as as much as possible and you know for the next 15 minutes or so regales Grayson um, with the just shy of sordid details of the relationship between Scalabrow and Aurora Luna Winterstar Uh, and then you can tell when Meepo's stories start to sort of like repeat a little bit it's a it's a job interview and he's run out of things to say Grayson gets tired of it he seems to know that he's gotten everything uh, that he has um, stops the recording device and almost perfunctorily uh, goes to get up and then seems to like catch himself and realize that you know he shouldn't just walk away and gives gives a little it was it was good to talk to you and I think I think this could be the beginning of a very fruitful relationship he slides over uh, a piece of paper with some writing on it and says here for your troubles maybe you won't be hanging out with your friends all that much but have a dinner at the tavern on me and then at some point, if you'd like some more company and want to talk some more, I'm all ears. And then he gets out, gets up, uh, and heads upstairs. And Meepo slips his metal in his pocket and pads off upstairs as well. Uh, presumably a different wing. Uh, yes, exactly. Um, but Meepo is also very happy with the free dinner token. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and Tez is very happy with the free source token. <laughs> Tez is definitely stealing that recording device. The, that is now... <laughs> Tez is seeing a way to research uh, a lot of information about his companions because Tez suspects that uh, Grayson is not subtle about continuing to record even his own friends. And so Tez is going to steal that, either make a copy or like listen to it and replace it uh, the next night. <laughs> he has a chance. Okay, so not tonight right now but the first night Tez sees a chance he's going to try to steal it right? yeah definitely absolutely Great. okay <clears throat> so then it's not the next morning but the day after that the gossip column it's a blind item <laughs> about uh, an unnamed exchange student uh, and an unnamed uh, student with family ties to Carnath uh, who, who's, a, a winter whose relationship, <laughs> whose relationship uh, seems to be heating up, uh, even though the the pair of them uh, make such a cold couple. 
oof gross mm-hmm. <laughs> right and it's it's those kinds of puns it's relatively uh biting um there are uh some quotes from uh people in uh witherbloom again unnamed people in witherbloom um sort of corroborating the kind of lasciviousness of uh, the column uh, and you can see it's a it's a hit people people are into it I have to imagine that Aurora is too cool to even notice that she's like the top gossip for a rumor that isn't true. <laughs> like, <laughs> like if she knows, she doesn't let on. And if it bothers her, she would never in a million years acknowledge it. So it's like she isn't even asking a question about this. <laughs> it certainly doesn't change her behavior when it comes to Skelebro. And from what Skelebro has told you, the reason she's interested is... She's half vampire, and she basically wants all the information about, like, you know, what is it like to be undead? Yeah, no, exactly. I mean, they're they're like boon companions because they are so similar uh, in a place that nobody else is like that, right? Like they're right, and that information is far more valuable to her than worrying about what uh, classmates think. Right, <laughs> right. Especially because um, she could, like, she's already the queen of the social circle by being outside of it. You can tell, though, now that you know he has it, you can see Grayson turning on and off his recording device, like, throughout the day. But you can also tell that he seems to never take it off, right? He always has it with him. So if you want to get a hold of it, the only time you would guess that he doesn't have it is, like, on his person is sleeping or showering. Well. And all of that activity takes place uh, in his wing of Silver Quill, which is opposite yours on the other side of the common room that's what four in the morning is for (laughs) all right it is four in the morning a few days later how are you getting to the other wing you are allowed to just walk in um yeah i mean that's the point of going late at night is that tez can just walk in it's college right so there are still some people like studying, a couple people dozing in the common room, but again, no one no one thinks anything of it when Tez is down here, and no one thinks anything of it when he goes up the other set of stairs. But there are witnesses. Tez intends to return this before uh before anyone knows before anybody knows yeah, that it's gone. So Okay. And is this only Tez going alone? Yeah, this is only Tez. Okay, cool. This is this is a straight uh straight B and E job. That's a Tez special. <laughs> I, like Tez has been pulling this job since he was a freshman, an actual freshman. <laughs> <laughs> uh it's much like any dorm that you might recall being in, uh, in that all of the uh, rooms, just like on your wing, are essentially identical. Um house you know between one and three students um some people have embellished their doors so it's obvious whose door it is Grayson Windermere has of course embellished his door so you know which door it is mm-hmm. um and he is on the third floor of this particular tower it's 4 a.m so right now right now there's no one out in the hall great then Tez will yeah I mean he'll listen at the door and make sure that he you know hears the steady steady breathing or snoring inside and then he'll try the door the door is locked I, for now <laughs> <laughs> okay uh, <laughs> how would you like me to pick this lock <laughs> give me these tools uh, I don't think I have advantage on thieves' tools from anything, but I won't need it. Uh, seventeen plus several. I just have proficiency in thieves' tools. I think, right? So seventeen. Plus you didn't six. take it as one of your expertises, right? I didn't. No, so it's just twenty-three. Okay, which is still excellent. It pops open. However, it it wasn't extremely simple, as you would have expected it would be. You examine for just a moment the lock to see like what's going on and it seems like it's been not tampered with it's been adjusted to make it more difficult to pick 
by someone who obviously knows how to use these tools. But 23, you're able to pop it open. Uh, and the door swings open a little bit before Tez catches it. Uh, and he can see that it's uh, totally dark inside the room. He can see into it, obviously, because he has dark vision, but there are no lights on inside the room. And Grayson is human. Ah, uh, perfect. Then Tez will pad into the room with his... <laughs> wearing his boots of elven kind. <laughs> <laughs> uh, all right, give me a stealth check. I thought you'd never ask. This I have advantage on. <laughs> Oh, there's a nat 20. <laughs> okay. Uh, incidentally, that's a 20 plus 9 as well, so that's a 29. With a 29, uh, Tez utterly silently um, opens the door enough of a crack for him to slip through. He, like, holds his cloak up just enough to, to like, block the light from shining on, uh, on Grayson's face and disturbing him in his sleep. Steps inside and shuts the door without a sound. And you can see this basically looks exactly like your room in fact it, i mean it's a very large room there's there's enough room in here for three beds there's only one bed give me a perception check it's a 12 plus three so grayson is in bed sleeping he's not snoring but you can see his chest rising and falling rhythmically and there is a chair near the bed where are slung a cloak his boots are by the chair's legs and you can see a, a scabbard leaned tipped up against the chair and then sitting on the seat of the chair is the device that you suspect would be the recording device so there's only the one bed and he has a lot of stuff because you know obviously he can he can afford it, it does seem like his his family is wealthy but you you notice too many books uh not on his shelf but there's an additional book bag like a like a backpack a student backpack over in the corner Grayson never seemed like the particularly studious type is Grayson shacking up with somebody right now? It's a possibility. There isn't another bed, right? He doesn't have a roommate. Is he alone in his bed? From where you can tell, yes, but you would need to get closer to confirm. I mean, uh, I gotta get closer to that. <laughs> I just don't see Tess, like... Passing it up. Yeah. Okay. I mean, let's stick with the 29. Like, you, you pad over completely silently. And you get close to the chair. The recording device is within easy reach. And you can see very clearly that Grayson is alone in bed. Uh, and as you reach down to pick up the device, before your hand gets to it, you hear a voice right over your shoulder. I wouldn't do that if I were you. And Tez whirls around to see the Warforged Malathorn, who absolutely did not seem to be in this room a second ago. Uh, and he said that out loud? Mm-hmm. And Grayson doesn't budge. Didn't say it like a normal volume. They are quietly saying it. Tez whirls on Melanthorn and like with an angry whisper says you and me outside right now no I think we should stay in here it would be better and moves towards the door <laughs> <laughs> Melanthorn doesn't move to stop you but says I don't think that you should leave until we've had a chance to speak out Side. Tez heads for the door, and Melothorn, who has just said, don't leave, then gets this panicked look on their face and reaches out with a hand, like, you know, oh, stop, and yells, No, don't. You don't need to make a perception check. 
because Malathorn just yelled, no, don't. (laughs) (laughs) How does a 19 AC sound for Tez? That hits. Okay. Tez takes 27 piercing damage. And Tez is a rogue. And so he knows a precision strike when he feels one. And he can tell that if he hadn't turned and been alerted to what was going on, that something was happening by Melworthorn yelling, that the rapier now sticking in his side uh, would have instead gone directly through his heart. He can see holding this rapier is... Rosie Miff and Bip, looking at him with utter disdain in her eyes. And she yanks the rapier out of his side and then whirls on Melwithorn and says, Why did you warn him? How often do I get a real assassinate attempt? And to which uh, Tez replies, because I know, you idiot. Look, you're supposed to be dead. Yeah, that wouldn't have solved your problem. Or mine. It absolutely would have solved this problem. You you wouldn't be here. And whatever you're snooping around in would still be a secret. You don't know what you're doing, and I do. Oh, we don't. You don't need to whisper. It's fine. He's asleep. Is he like... Do you drug him? You don't need to know any of this. I, and she turns over to Melwithorn again. I can, I, I should, let me just kill him. Let me just kill him. You won't. You'll fail. First of all, you'll fail. Second of all, that won't solve your problem. Once again, I knew it was you two, you idiots. Clearly, I'm not the only one who knows this. So you have to start thinking to yourself, how are you going to achieve what you need to achieve? And more importantly, why would I be curious about this and trying to get his uh, his recording device? Do I care about his gossip? No, I need information on you, and now I have you. So let's freaking talking like adults, which you are both clearly, as am I. Tez <laughs> like, uh, is like, so mad right now because he's just been stabbed for no good reason. <laughs> like, like they should have the professional courtesy as professional liars to just talk to each other. That's why he wanted to go outside. <laughs> Kindly respect the professional courtesy of a sidebar, okay? <laughs> Rosie Miffin Bip. She starts off with. We could just kill you, and then whoever else gets in our way, we'll kill them. It'll be... Lots of people die at this school. It's weird. It's weird, but lots of people die. And your stupid Chosen is going to die, too. When you say Chosen, they both stop. Yeah, I know. Who do you think is trying to keep him alive, you idiots? Now they're listening. And Rosie actually, like, cleans her rapier and puts it away. She motions to the other side of the room. And you turn and now can see that there's more furniture. There's like a, a couch. She gestures to it and says, have a seat. Let's talk. Neat trick. Tez cast cure wounds on himself. <laughs> <laughs> they don't try to stop you. Yeah. Tez heals uh, seven hit points. So basically back All and forth. Right. <laughs> So, You're only yeah. down 20. Wait, Tez casts... Yeah, so Tez casts uh, Cure Wounds on himself. Doesn't feel that much better. It says, one moment. <laughs> casts it again. <laughs> uh, this time for... Ah, 11. I got a max roll on that one. So I got most of my hit points back. 18 points back. Oh, that feels better <sighs> to not have holes in me. <clears throat> anyway... What I needed to figure out is who you two were and if you were trying to make sure he died or make sure he didn't. And I'm pretty sure you don't want him to die now if you were willing to kill me and potentially blow your cover. So we're on the same team. Melithorn is nodding and says, no, no, we do not want him to die. And Ro- Rosie, though, like rolls her eyes. She's like, no, 
sunk cost. We don't want him to die. Right. I know. I Look, I don't profess to understand who or what you are, but that much is clear. Have you stopped and thought, why is the masquerade's mask? No. Why is the masquerade's ball on the night that it is? They seem both seem very confused. What are you talking about? It, this is, it's always on, it's always six or so weeks after the start of term. There's nothing strange about this. Mm-hmm. But the actual date? They don't seem to know. <sighs> okay, look. Um... I can't tell you how I know this and I'm not telling you who I am something is going to happen to him that night and the date for the ball was chosen for specific uh, let's say superstitious reasons but either way uh, (laughs) your um your your charge is uh is is at the center of something uh and and if he dies uh nothing good comes of it so we need to make sure he stays safe and i am exploring every bit of information i can find to figure out how to do that even if it means ingratiating myself with that little princeling trash heap when you say this Rosie Miffenbib actually smirks and she's like nodding like like she understands what you're saying. Uh, Melworthorn looks pained. Like he's throwing away his life protecting like the worst person on the planet. No, well, like you insulted someone like you insulted someone that Melworthorn cares about. Ah, okay. Mm-hmm. Alright, well. Um, great. I, I can get stabbed and punched all on the same night. <laughs> <laughs> So the two of them look at each other and you can see there seems to be some sort of like unspoken communication between them and then Rosie shrugs and says, I I can always just stab him again, I guess. Good luck. And then then she turns to you and says, will you you have a seat so we can talk about this? Yes, fine. So you go over to the couch and you can see that you sort of pass like this illusory barrier where before... It essentially functioned kind of like a a mirror so that you couldn't see what was on the other side of the room, mm-hmm. right? So the room looked the same size, but you couldn't see the stuff over there. So now you're over here, obviously, you can you can see it all. You sit down, the two of them sort of s- square up, and things get hazy. They start to swim in your vision until you realize, no, the room's not changing at all. Both of them are. Rosie is growing, almost rising out of out of the ground, but her feet are still planted. And uh, Melwithorn is growing wider. Rosie's features become less gnome-like. Her nose shrinks, as do her ears. In fact, all of her features shrink and become smoother, almost implacable, because her facial features are now almost impossible to distinguish from the rest of her face. And she has grown to about five feet tall, thin, and lanky with long, white hair. A changeling. Yeah, are they, are they both changelings? Melothorn has grown wider, and its warforged jaw has thickened. And you can see not, not only that, but the outfit Melothorn was wearing is, is also changing, and a cloak is now fluttering from their shoulders and two great curved golden horns rise up from their head and in Melothorn's hand is now grasped a ten foot long golden blade that they wrap on the ground and you can see that Melothorn is a warforged but is an ogre, a blue skinned ogre and Tez would know that in fact Melothorn is an oni an ogre mage. Rosie Mithenbip with a very different voice says, I suspect this is the first time that you have met a member of the Thousand Eyes and the Horned Guard of Riedra. How would I know? We are the only ones on this continent. Well, 
Then I suppose, yes. Is this the first time you've ever met <laughs> a prince of the Lazar Principalities? We wouldn't know. You all look the same. Fair enough. Look, I don't have a lot to go on here, okay? I appreciate uh, that uh, that this is not the best way to uh, to introduce ourselves. I appreciate the candor. Here's what I know. I know the place, I know the person, and I know that whatever befalls him will be a shadow. So if we can put our heads together and figure out what the shadow is, maybe we can figure out how to keep him safe. But that's all I know. I don't have a lot. It's not like I get great service out here. Uh, that's the message that I found that I, that that's the bit that I have. So it's a shadow and it's that night. And the ogre mage, Melvathorn, still seems concerned when you say this and says, So you think something is threatening his life? You think he's in danger? We had suspected. Like I said, I I don't have a... It's not like anybody just, you know, gave me a dossier with all the information in it. I just know he's got to survive the shadow. That's what I heard. Survive the shadow. And I got a, a, a time, a place, and a person. And the Oni is nodding and saying, Yes, yes, we, we must do whatever we can to keep him safe. And the changeling is looking between the two of you and saying, mm, I mean, if whatever is happening is going to be so bad, maybe we should just... She glances over at the sleeping form. Take care of it ourselves. Be proactive about this. If he's dead... Nothing bad can happen to him. If he's dead, he can't survive it either. And at a scowl from the ogre mage, she doesn't pursue it anymore. Says, fine, fine. But yes, strange things have been happening. We've been here three years. Uh, But only this year has it seemed like maybe someone suspects that we aren't who we seem. Who? Who? We don't know. More of a what. Uh, you've seen the students who become ill? Yes. Around the same time that some students were sickened, both. And she pauses here, thinks for a second, says, Melwithorn and I uh, felt as if there was some sort of influence upon us uh, a disease, a malady, a spell. We were unsure. We both shook it off. Uh, did Grayson get sick at some point? He didn't, not yet. But the only the only thing we had to go on was green mist. We both saw green mist when we didn't feel well. Does that green mist uh, recall anything from our last adventure? <laughs> Does it sound like anything we... It it sounds to you like uh, the orb. Okay. The, uh, it sounds to you like uh, Dean Tullis's orb. Yeah, yeah, okay. That, got it, okay. Yeah, I, uh, I think I know what's going on here. I mean, I don't, but I do. But before that, I think we should all um, lay our cards on the table, and he passes out uh, three uh, small pieces of parchment and says, we should all write our real names on these pieces of paper. So that, you know, we can all really know who we are. And Tez writes Tez Proudkill. (laughs) (laughs) They look at you like you're a crazy person and say, we've already broken protocol. Yeah, me too, buddy. Me too. Yes, but uh, you aren't going to be debriefed by the state when you return home. Well... (laughs) (laughs) yes you're right I won't be debriefed by the state the thing is it would be nice to have that kind of structure to protect me (laughs) so in some ways I'd rather have your situation than mine but that's neither here nor there how much are you willing to lay on the table like Uh, I'm gonna lay everything about Dean Tullis on the table um 
like and the orb and what we know about like its origin is clearly Riedra, like it is testing them. I will even lay out um the notes that we found like from the orb. I don't So you, so you don't know that the orb is from Riedra. Oh, we don't. Okay. You, Sorry. Yeah, no. Um but but anyway, it, it's the orb, right? Like I will I will lay out the information on the orb. I will let the orb explain the sickness. Um, like I'll connect all those dots for them. Like I, I, I don't see any reason to play KG with them up to the point where I'm not going to tell them the source of my information or that I'm working for the trust, but like there, there's no point in hiding. None of us are students, right? Like none of us actually care about any of this. So, right. And, and they already know that, you know, that he's chosen, right? Uh, what they don't, and what they don't know though. So, so one thing that I will not, uh, is that like I don't want them to know anything about who or what Meepo and Skelebro are, right? Like other than what Skelebro, obviously, but like they're my wild card of like I'm not alone, <laughs> right? So like you have to like you have to deal with all three of us or else you fail. Like I want that I will let slip that like we are working together so that like I have a little we you know what I mean like I need some leverage here that I walk out of this room at the end of this right if you murder me they like I will be avenged right exactly yeah. <laughs> you'll you'll have to deal with uh, a flaming skeleton <laughs> at the very least <laughs> and a very freshly handsome cobalt <laughs> well a freshly enthusiastic cobalt <laughs> so they get they look more and more concerned the more like information that you share and then again they seem to be communicating silently with, with each other and then rosie turns to you almost reluctantly and says well if you know that he's chosen then i suspect you know what is where his destiny lies this is of course why we're keeping him safe i will be honest with you i mean I know broadly where his destiny lies, but I also really don't care. It doesn't matter to me. I don't know how important he is or isn't. I like his name came up on a list and now it's my job. <laughs> That's how I look at this. He is important to Riedra, but for this particular task at hand, whoever our adversary is, it seems that he is important to them because of who he is. He is designed to be easy to control. Yeah. And if this orb is already trying to control the Dean, then perhaps its end goal is to find itself a brand new vessel, one that will be easy to completely subsume. Hmm. He has no defenses against these kinds of mental attacks. That's why he exists. Yeah. Okay. All right. So it's probably Dean Tullis we need to look out for unless there's some somebody else the orb can manipulate. That's the question. Is the orb only manipulating the Dean or can it manipulate anyone? It seems that it is still manipulating the Dean, but we don't yet understand the extent of its abilities. I'm a bit concerned about the word I got was shadow. Oh, the Dean doesn't seem very shadowy, and neither does this orb. We will do some investigations. Now that we know what we are looking for, we should find the Dean. Yeah, that's where we'll uh, direct our attention then. And with a plan formed and a very tentative alliance, they suggest you get out of the room quickly before they change their minds. Mm, sounds good. By the way, and Tez like points across the room and is like, neat trick. And then he ducks out the door. <laughs> Melthor nods and Rosie narrows her eyes. And Tez wonders, just how much does she really want to stab him again? He suspects quite a lot. I can have that effect on women. <laughs> <laughs> and we'll find out more next time alright let's talk about how our listeners can get in contact with us 
We do love hearing from you. You can tweet at Shane at Mundangerous. That's M-U-N Dangerous. And you can tweet at Ejan at Evil Sense Carne. That's Malice minus Meat. And you can tweet at the show at TPTCast for as long as uh, Twitter still exists. Mm. You can also email us at TotalPartyThrill at gmail.com. And you can find us on the web at www.TotalPartyThrill.com. We're also on Facebook and Instagram at TotalPartyThrill. And join the conversation on Discord. There's a link in the show notes. So before we wrap up, we want to take a moment and thank our Patreon supporters. Your support is what makes it possible for us to keep doing this show. So if you'd like to learn more, you can check out all of our rewards at patreon.com slash totalpartythrill. All right, what do we have planned for next week's episode? We are continuing this playthrough of The Magister's Masquerade. Well, that's it for episode 331 of Total Party Thrill. I hope we lived up to our name, but either way, I'm Shane. And I'm Ishan. Thanks for listening. Thank you.